Good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll get a potato update from Vikram Bisht with Manitoba Agriculture. Up first in today's country comment, we'll hear from Ian Stepler, chair of the Manitoba Beekeepers Association. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Today on the program, Golden West Ronnie Gunther chats with Ian Stepler, chair of the Manitoba Beekeepers Association. Had it up and down this spring so far. We had an early start out of winter. The bees come out of winter in really good shape. Uh, so we had just a little sneak peek of maybe it's a real good early start to the year. And then we had a few cold events come through the spring that kind of stalled things and maybe put a little more pressure on uh, the hive quality and such, so we maybe experienced a little bit of losses, but things have kind of rebounded now with the warmth, and hopefully we're going to get some rain here to help spur on some more of that flower growth, but the uh, hives seem to be able to turn that corner, and they're, they're really advancing now, so things look pretty optimistic right now. So uh, I guess this dryness does affect the bees? It does, yeah. Uh, right now we're tapping into more of trees, and and bushes and such, so uh, they're actively collecting a huge abundance of food, so the dryness isn't affecting the bees as much, but we are concerned that uh, with the dryness, it might affect the crop growth, and when crops are under stress, the first thing they cut back on is nectar, so we're kind of a little bit scared about how much honey we'll be able to collect this summer, but uh, like Dad tells me all the time, he says, how much do you want to worry about it, right? (laughs) Just let it happen. For sure, and um, yeah, so obviously the the end result is is honey, so that that is exciting either way. Yeah, for sure. Just to give your listenership uh, this perspective on how much activity uh, honeybee does, um, let's say on an estimate of 550 bees will gather a pound of honey, okay, and they'll do that on 2 million flowers. So to represent that across my operation, which is 1,500 hives, um, I've I'm using 150 million bees to collect 285,000 pounds of honey from 570 billion flowers. So that's just my operational per- footprint. When you equate that across Manitoba, uh, Manitoba has roughly 115,000 hives, and uh, Manitoba produces, we actually cracked the 20 million pound mark for honey uh, last year, which represents, uh, like we're a $50 million industry. So we've used the Manitoba beekeeping industry uses 8.2 billion bees to collect uh, 20 million pounds of honey off of 30 to 40 trillion flowers right across Manitoba landscape. So that's that's quite amazing, don't you think? That uh, our contribution towards the agricultural industry, uh, we figure it's around 150 million dollars where we're able to increase crop production and put money directly into farmers' pockets. So it's that uh, that simple act of pollination is really important to Manitoba, and I think that's why farmers appreciate uh, our industry so much. Yeah, that is. Uh, those are some in- incredible numbers. You kind of don't realize the size of it until you read it out. Yeah, absolutely. They're quite the amazing little insect, and um, it, it, they just keep you on your heels all the time. <laughs> yeah, you bet. And like by the sounds of it, like the way uh, bees and actual crops relate, beekeepers and farmers, they have a, a relationship like that as well. Yeah, absolutely. We have our uh, bee yards on, like we farm here, so I have a lot of bee yards on my own property, but I 
hinge on a lot of neighbors to provide me just a little spot to be able to put an apiary. And uh, they provide me that little place, which is kind of an annoyance to them because honeybees can be annoying at times, but it provides the landowner with the access to that pollination. So uh, it's kind of like a give-and-take relationship between the beekeeper and the farmer, and the farmer provides the flowers, and we provide them with the pollination, and we give the farmer a little bit of honey to boot right at the end of the year for, for thanks. And it's important that we retain a real fluid line of communication with our farming industry just with advancements in agriculture and different management practices and, and chemical use and all this. We just need to be able to, uh, be able to communicate with each other to avoid any uncertain problems that might arise from some of the management practices. And pretty much all of them can be relieved just by reaching out and letting the farmer know that we're there. That was Ian Stepler, chair of the Manitoba Beekeepers Association, chatting with Golden West's Ronnie Gunther. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. The Canadian Grain Commission is proposing to reduce service fees collected for four official grain inspection and official grain weighing services on August 1st. The proposal is in response to the sustained growth in grain export volumes in recent years and aims to better align fee revenues with fixed service delivery costs. These changes would result in a combined reduction for official inspection and weighing services from $1.48 to $1.05 per ton for ships and a cost decrease of $37.88 per official inspection and weighing services for a railway car, truck, or container. The proposed reduction comes two years before the end of the current fee review cycle. For the fiscal year 2021-22, fees paid by grain sector stakeholders would be reduced by approximately $13.79 million, a cost decrease of 19%. Savings for the 2022-23 and 2023-24 fiscal years are expected to be approximately $20.68 million each year, a cost decrease of 29%. The proposed changes require amendment to the Canada Grain Regulations, They'll be published in the Canada Gazette Part 1 for public comment on May 22nd, and stakeholders have until June 7th to provide feedback. With dry conditions this spring, crop diseases haven't been much of an issue for farmers. David Kaminsky with Manitoba Agriculture says, however, there are a few things to watch for. Because it's so dry, emergence has been delayed, and the longer seeds sit, maybe germinated, but not out of the ground yet, the more vulnerable they might be to pathogens that are there, they need moisture. The couple of fungi that can attack, even when it's dry, are Rhizoctonia and Fusarium. They're always there, and they're opportunists. On the flip side, those root pathogens known as water molds have very little chance of infecting seedlings under dry conditions. And with seeding in full swing, War Amps is reminding parents and children to play safe. Here's Regional Rep. Meryl Lepke. I think it's important to engage with your children and teach them to know the safeties and understandings uh, that they have to be careful, whether it's, you know, on the farm, around the machines, or even the lawnmower. Lawnmowers cause a lot of accidents, taking feet or legs, hands from the sharp blades. He notes kids should never be near grain augers, tractors, lawnmowers, or other mean machines. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute.
Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Friday, May 21st. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll get a potato update from Manitoba. Today, we get a potato update from Vikram Bisht with Manitoba Agriculture. Because of the rains that we just had, I think uh, things are looking up now very, very good. Uh, the planting started around uh, the 23rd of April, which is uh, normal for a planting date. Uh, we were expecting to have it uh, started uh, probably around 15th, but uh, things turned uh, cold. Uh, but uh, the ground conditions were so good that uh, the planting finished on May 16th, I would say 15th. Uh, 100%, practically 100%. And uh, right now, the uh, seed pieces are doing fairly well. The sprouting has started on the potatoes. And so with this uh, moisture that we are getting in some places, the uh, emerging plants should be doing good. Any concerns with, I guess, uh, colder temperatures returning? Uh, well, if the cold temperatures return, the potatoes can handle some cold temperatures. Uh, and if it comes before the emergence, that is not a problem. But after emergence, if it goes into minus three, minus four, then you would have some uh, frost injury. But at this late stage, uh, there is no forecast of uh, very severe cold uh, weather. Not really a big issue or concern at the moment. Any disease or insect uh, concerns at this point? or At the moment, uh, there's uh, no concern. Uh, people have to, the agronomists have to go and uh, monitor how the seed pieces are doing. There may be a few seed lots uh, which had uh, a bit of uh, dry rot and soft rot, so if that is uh, the condition, they probably make a decision of what to do with that field. But it will be still a very low issue uh, overall. And I guess just going forward here, um, what sort of conditions are, are we hoping for? Hoping for good, well-distributed rainfall. But uh, what uh, Mother Nature's bring, we don't know yet, so... Keep our fingers crossed and hope uh, we get some good rains. We need some good heat to kind of get things going? or Yeah, it has been uh, fairly warm. The soil temperatures are warmer than previous year, or 2020, and so we are good in that respect. That was Vikram Bisht with Manitoba Agriculture giving us an update on the province's potato crop. Continuing on today's Prairie Aguire, Glenda Lee Allen Vosser talks with the Director of Resources and Public Engagement with the Canadian Food Grains Bank, Musu Taylor Lewis, about their partnership with Viterra. Talk to us a little bit about this partnership between the Canadian Food Grains Bank and Viterra and just how important it is. Canadian Food Grains Bank and Viterra have been in this partnership for six years. And uh, what it, in, it involves is that the land around the terminals in uh, Alberta and Saskatchewan, I believe it's five terminals in Alberta and Saskatchewan, is farmed by community groups, by farmers in those communities, uh, to raise um, awareness and funds for the work of the Canadian Food Grain Bank, which is um, 
our members working overseas to uh, provide food where it is needed in emergencies, but also uh, long-term uh, programs to uh, improve food security for families around the world. What kind of a difference does a partnership like this really make? Well, there's a couple of ways it makes a difference. Um, first of all, there's over 300 acres being farmed uh, this year alone across Alberta and Saskatchewan. So the visibility and the reminder to Canadians that we are part of this global community that are working together to end global hunger is an important part. And I don't think we should minimize that. But uh, the impact of the... Um, contributions that are made as a result of the farms and the growing projects on these lands is that in times of emergency like we see today in India in uh, last year we saw the explosion at the port of Beirut in Lebanon currently there's famine in Yemen and in South Sudan um, and um, there is a refugee crisis in Venezuela in parts of the world that are ex- um, experiencing crisis which leads to people uh, losing their livelihoods, losing their homes, and leaving, um, and facing hunger. But Canadians are contributing to seeing families through these difficult crisis periods. So that's one. And the other part is that as the Canadian Food Grains Bank, a partnership of 15 churches and church-based agencies, our vision is a world without hunger. We work together with our members to um, come up with long-term solutions by offering training, by improving uh, people's livelihoods uh, that um, gives them better access to markets, to um, increase their food production in order to um, get families to a place where they are actually experiencing security in their food. So for they're experiencing food security, uh, that they know where their food will come from for next week, next month, and next year. Now, Musu, as you talked about, uh, we see over 300 acres of land around these Viterra terminals that are, are being used as these growing projects. Where where are we seeing this happening? You mentioned Alberta and Saskatchewan, but do you know the locations? There's one in Balgoni, Raymore, Grenfell in Saskatchewan, and in Lethbridge and Troshu in Alberta. Final thoughts, key comments. We talk about being a Christian response to hunger, but our our byline is working together to end global hunger. And we recognize that that means we work with community groups like those farmers, like uh, businesses like Viterra, uh, uh, agribusinesses that provide the input to those community groups so that they can grow that crop. And I want to give a great big thank you to all the community groups across Saskatchewan that are involved in um, helping to raise awareness, contributions, and crops for the work of the Canadian Food Grains Bank. Without each of us playing the part that we can play, we wouldn't be able to do the things we do. Um, Over 800,000 people were um, impacted last year by the work of the Food Grains Bank with um, increased access to food. And as we know, food is fundamental. And so thank you from the bottom of our heart. That's Musu Taylor-Lewis, a director of resources and public engagement with the Canadian Food Grains Bank. For Golden West, I'm Glendalee allen Bossler. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. 
On behalf of Glenda Lee Allen Vossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return next week on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Manitoba Women in Agriculture and Food is holding an Egg Chat May 24th. Visit the MWAF website. Manitoba Pork is offering an online workshop entitled What Can Biosecurity Software Offer My Farm? That'll take place Tuesday, May 25th at 1.30. Go to the Manitoba Pork website. 4-H Manitoba is having a video contest on now until the end of May. The contest gives Manitoba members and clubs a chance to showcase what they're doing this year. Visit the 4-H Manitoba website. And Canada's Farm Show is going virtual this year, June 16th and 17th. Go to canadasfarmshow.com. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Friday afternoon, Golden West reporter Shannon Duick chats with Jason Rempel, who farms near Randolph, Manitoba. We have a mixed farm operation, uh, hogs and uh, grain primarily, uh, with some uh, goats. Um, we're located uh, just north of Randolph, about four miles. Um, and this spring we're farming uh, about 1,900 acres or so. And what did you see this year? Uh, this year we yeah we didn't change up our rotation too much. Um, we're doing corn, soybeans, canola, wheat, barley, oats, um, and then we're also we have a little bit of fall rye in from from last fall. Tell us a bit about seeding progress. I guess how many how many acres do you have in the ground now? Do you think everything went in as of uh, Tuesday? We finished up uh, in the evening, uh, so that's all finished. Um, yeah, so that's uh, everything. Everything went smooth, uh, no major breakdowns, and with a dry spring, that's always easier on equipment. So um, we're able to cover the ground quite quickly. What were seeding conditions like? I know that you you mentioned it was uh, dry. Was it uh, was it too dry this spring? Yeah, it was. It was very very dry. Um, a few of the crops we we actually plant a little bit deeper than we would maybe on an average spring. Uh, just because we're we're chasing that moisture a little bit to get the, the seeds germinating uh, a bit more quickly. Obviously, we don't want to plant them too deep so that the uh, the early seedlings have trouble getting out of the ground. But um, that's some of the things that we we changed up a bit. And you know, personally, I in my farming career, I haven't I haven't seen a spring quite this dry. Uh, so this is it's kind of a new thing for me. I've noticed the last week or two uh, on these on these windy days, uh, a lot of uh, soil blowing in fields. Has that become problematic at all? Uh, yeah, it is. Um, luckily, uh, we didn't get the canola in too early, so none of that had come up yet. That's uh, especially for some of those tiny uh, seedlings. Yeah, they're very vulnerable to what we would call uh, scouring or, or sandblasting um, when that really really light dry soil starts getting whipped up by the wind that can do some big damage uh, to those little seedlings those newly emerged crops um, and then obviously we're, we're concerned about erosion and uh, just loss of our uh, our organic matter when that when that topsoil starts to blow um, you see some, some big losses uh, we like to as much as possible we like to keep our fields covered with the uh, crop residues from the previous crop um, and we're Doing as much minimum till as we as we can on our farm to try and keep those uh, 
those crop residues on top to help keep that, that soil down. That was Jason Rempel, a farmer in the Randolph area, chatting with Golden West reporter Shannon Duick. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. The lack of rain this spring up until now means crop disease pressure is low. David Kaminsky is with Manitoba Agriculture. The ones that will not be attacking because it's been so dry uh, are things like Pythium and Phytophthora and the Phanomyces. These are generally attacking the broadleaf or in particular the pulse crops. Not a big concern with those. They attack the fine feeder roots, and uh, they need free moisture in the soil in order to attack. We're not too concerned about those at the time. Kaminsky says some root-attacking fungi that don't need much moisture to infect crops are Fusarium and Rhizoctonia. And parents and children are being reminded to play safe during this busy farming season. Meryl Lepke with WarAmp says accidents can happen in the blink of an eye. They can happen very quickly. Uh, it only takes a second, and all of a sudden... Your day has changed, your life has changed, your child could have a disability, have a loss of a limb. It definitely can change your whole whole life. He notes kids should never be near grain augers, tractors, lawnmowers, or other mean machines. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here on Monday starting at 12 noon.